0: You're listening to a message from Spindle City Vineyard. Connect with us or find out more at spindlecityvineyard.com. Good morning, everyone. Good morning if you're sitting in the room, and good morning if you're online. Dan already introduced me, um, but if you didn't quite get all that, my name is Susanna. I serve on the staff team here, and I'm also on the preaching team. which is just a group of us who rotate through on a Sunday morning and give messages. Feels a little close. Is this okay now? Okay. So, I'd like to take a moment to just orient us this morning in the midst of what has been a very long and winding series through the entire Bible. So if we could go to the next slide, just so you can kind of see where we are and where we have been. So it took us two years, but we finished the Old Testament this past fall. That should be uh, one thing, 39 books of the Old Testament is checkmark. And then we covered the first two chapters of um, Matthew during Advent. This feels like it's rumbling, like Winnie the Pooh's stomach. Rumbly, rumbly, rumbly. Is this? Take it away from my face. Okay. So it means it's too close. How about that? Okay, let's just try until it rumbles again. All right, so we finished the 39 books of the Old Testament. And then we covered the first two chapters of the book of Matthew during Advent, which was great timing. That was Christmas and the Christmas story. And we just did an introduction to the Gospels this new year. So starting today, we are taking a pause before we head any further into the Gospels, the book of Matthew specifically. And this pause has a specific purpose and will be its own mini-series. So we're pausing before we go further, and this is a mini-series. And Brittany touched on it last Sunday, but I'm going to reintroduce this new series by playing a quick round of my favorite game, Codenames. Anybody else played this? Okay. So that slide should also have a, uh, a clue word on it as well, if we can get to that slide. Not the one with all the words, so go back, it should have a clue. All right, you can't see it on there, that's okay, I'll tell you. All right. So in a moment, uh, if you've played Codenames before, you'll know that there's a grid of 25 random words. Okay? So let's go back a couple well, not quite yet. And my job is to get you to identify certain words from this grid by giving you one clue. And the clue is usually a word and a number. For this round, your clue word is baptism, and your number is six. Say it back to me. Baptist. Baptism six, all right. And your job is to look at the grid and choose which six of the 25 words relate to baptism. Then we'll see if our great minds were thinking alike. All right? So let's put up the grid. Can you see those 25 random words? All right. You need to find six on there that you think relate to baptism. What was I meaning when I said baptism? Which certain words on there did I want you to choose? Don't say them out loud. Just take 30 seconds. Jot down, Hmm. What words on there was I talking about? What six words relate to baptism? All right. Let's put up the answers, please, Akobo. All right. Yes. River, dove, wash, faith, sun, and Jordan. Raise your hand if you got all six. Six out of six. Nice work. Okay. Excellence. So, why do I have us play Code Names? Well, I wanted to activate some associative connected thinking. I wanted to activate some of that associative, connected thinking because this next series is meant to do something similar, okay? We are taking time out to strengthen our association of the Old Testament with the Gospels, our ability to spot connections between the different books, just like you spotted connections on that grid. We want to inhabit this zone of interconnectedness, this zone of interconnectedness. Let me show you three graphics to explain a little further. Now, this first graphic um, from a guy called Chris Harrison is of every cross-reference in the Bible, where what is mentioned in one place is also mentioned in another. Those little white bars across the bottom are all the chapters of the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, and that really, really long one is the longest chapter of the Bible. Do you remember what chapter that is? Psalm 119. Ooh, that's a doozy. All right. So here's an example of a cross-reference. If you're like, "Mm, what are you showing me a picture of? So a a cross-reference in the Bible would be Genesis 3 mentions a tree of life. Revelation 2 mentions the same tree of life. See how that cross, that reference? Anyone want to guess how many cross-references are on display in this graphic? I will give you a million dollars. guys, guys, guys. Hannah's the closest. 63,779. Let me say that again for you. There are six hundred, sixty-three thousand seven hundred and seventy-nine cross-references in the Bible. Places where one thing is mentioned somewhere else. Let's get up the second graphic. Now this one is more focused than just the cross references and it represents all the prophecies about Jesus. They're color-coded by theme. You can't see the colors too well. But you'll see there's a range of Old Testament prophecies on the left matching up with a range of New Testament stories on the right. You want to see that as a number? It's the next slide. 300 to 570. Scholars believe that there's 300 to 570 Prophecies that Jesus fulfilled in the New Testament. Is this blowing your mind? Is it blowing your mind? Did you appreciate the Bible's interconnectedness was at that level? Jordan Peterson, I don't know if any of you have heard of him. He once called the Bible the first hyperlinked book. You kids should know what a hyperlink is. You know, on a Wikipedia page, you can click the little blue underline place, and it will take you to another page. Well, the Bible was like the first hyperlinked book. Now, before you get all stressed or excited, depending on your personality, we are not deep diving into every one of these. Instead, our pause will focus how the, on how the Old Testament and the Gospels connect via one key person, one clue word, if you want to think of it like code names. And that is jesus so here's the final graphic um, which Brittany made for our new series and it's jesus the bridge between the old and new testaments and in our case the gospels so uh what does that look like on a sunday morning together well while preparing i was reading a bit of a scholarly book just so everyone knows that happens sometimes and i read bits of a book uh, that Brittany and imani recommended it's called echoes of scripture in the old testament and I, I've paraphrased what Richard Hayes, the author, says, is the reader's main job when on the lookout for this kind of bridge that we're trying to build. So Next slide, please. <clears throat> this is what Richard Hayes was saying in a little bit more prestigious way. But this is our job, really, when we're looking, to, looking for this kind of bridge. Find where the storyteller has Jesus doing something or being someone the Old Testament already introduced. That is an electric combo. Find where the storyteller, in our case it will be Matthew, has Jesus doing something or being someone, someone that the Old Testament already introduced. That is an electric combo, yes. So each Sunday in this next series, we're going to hone in on one gospel passage. And while we won't be able to do all those lovely little Old Testament references justice in a 25-minute message, especially with Dan watching the time at the back, we will get some good exercise going back and forth across whatever bridge Jesus has built for us where we are. Okay? All right. For those of you who are bothered that I never explained why my code name's clue was baptism, here's the reason today's passage that we're focusing on from the Gospels and connecting to the Old Testament is the baptism of Jesus. And we're going to use Matthew's account of it, although actually this baptism is described in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all have accounts of it. But we're going to focus on Matthew's account in chapter 3. Let's pray before we read. The words of my mouth and the things that I think be acceptable in your sight, Lord, and for everyone here, come Holy Spirit, amen. All right, <clears throat> so you should have a Bible in a chair in front of you or you should have it on your phone. Either way, I would ask that you find Matthew 3 in there or on there, Matthew 3. And the things that I put up on the slide are from the NIV version. I'm not sure that the Bibles here are or the Bible on your phone is, but we'll work it out. I've broken the chapter into two parts. Part one, I will read and do some of the bridging work for you. And part two, which is actually a shorter and easier assignment, I will ask you to read and do some bridge work yourselves. Then we're going to compare notes, and then we'll move into ministry time. So part one, Matthew chapter three, I've uh, broken even that part one into two clumps of verses. So let's go to the verses there. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him and I skip ahead. People went out out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan River. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him, by John, in the Jordan River. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. Anyone ever been in John's position? Okay. Okay, Jesus. Okay. We're going discuss, to uh, discuss part one, which is mostly going to be laying some context for your part two. But part one has some bridges in there that are actually important for part two as well. And it matters because uh, John the Baptist is also a bridge to the Old Testament. John the Baptist, if we go to the next slide, is the first person to carry a message from God, i.e., to be a prophet, in a long, 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 long time. So he's actually bridged it right there by being another prophet. He's the first one since the Old Testament, since Malachi, the last of the Old Testament prophets, the last of the Old Testament books, to carry a message from God again. Can you see that arc? And what he's saying is setting him up uh, clearly to prime people for the Messiah. What is he saying? Repent. Turn it around, people. God's kingdom is close. It's any minute now. And the baptisms that he's offering suggest the kind of ceremonial cleansing. Do you remember our talk on Leviticus? The washing and the purifying? It's suggesting that kind of ceremonial cleansing of the Old Testament Israelites that they had to, com- uh, to complete before they could commune with each other and God again, before they could be right and clean again. So what he's doing in the river is reminiscent of what they were doing back in the Old Testament, washing themselves in preparation to be back in God's presence. Next slide. John is also a figure that was prophesied by multiple sources, including two Old Testament prophets, Isaiah and Malachi, One of whom Matthew quotes. Did you see? Matthew said, here's the guy that Isaiah spoke about, voice crying in the wilderness. And so John's human testimony had incredible authority just because those four different sources had already predicted that he would come and he was doing what they said. The other two sources were an angel who spoke over him when he was in his mommy's tummy and then his dad who spoke just after he was born. His dad comes out with this amazing Holy Spirit um, speech where he says, my son is a prophet and he's going to prepare the way of the Lord as well. So John has these four, uh, four prophetic uh, fulfillments that he's uh, operating in. And his human testimony has incredible authority. And here comes Jesus and he together. Now, here come Jesus and he together and John is struggling with this idea that he needs to cleanse Jesus from his sins. Which makes sense because they both knew full well that Jesus didn't have any. So what's going on? Well, now Jesus is bridging here. He's saying, uh, he's saying it's proper, John, it's proper to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And really in this moment, it's a little bit mysterious, this transaction, but I think really what he's saying to John is, your message is authentic. You're anointed to play this role. And I'm aligning myself with your ministry, which is to put myself in a long line of sinful Israelites who are being called to right their broken relationship with God. I'm putting myself, I'm joining that line, cascade of humanity, headed toward where it's headed toward, and I'll be the first one to get baptized. And in an act of obedience and prophetic fulfillment himself, He associates with their predicament. And in a moment, he's going to come back up and he's going to embody the permanent embodiment of their redemption. He's going to change after that, but he's putting himself in this position and he's fulfilling while John is fulfilling and you have this beautiful moment where they're in the water together. So John baptizes Jesus. And it's your turn. So i just left two verses left for you. <laughs> You're either pleased or, oh, Susanna should give us more. All right, just two verses. It all happens very quickly. Matthew doesn't go into too much detail whether Jesus' hair got really wet and what he did as he came up out of the water. I'm sure, he was, I'm sure he was smiling, by the way. You know when you see those pictures of Jesus coming up and it's like, I'm sh-. anyway, that's a whole different thing. But. All right, this time I would like you to read it. And I'd like you to work with a partner or with a group of people in your row, wherever you want to do it, um, to see if you can find some bridges yourself to the Old Testament. Now, before I release you, hounds, here's, um, here's your job again. I'm going to put the job up on the, on the slide that the guy from that Echoes book talked about, and I paraphrased. So remember, your job is to find where Matthew has Jesus doing something or being something you already got introduced to over the last two years or you already know about from, from having read the Old Testament. And then I'm going to give you one term to help you. If you remember from English class, uh, there's a term in literary analysis called illusion. Anybody heard of illusion? Not illusion, allusion. And it's basically uh, when you come across uh, a word, words or references to a character, a place, an event, an image from another text. And it's in there deliberately to signal I'm connecting. I'm connecting. It's an intentional choice by the author to include in in one source a link to the precursor or the original source. Okay? So it could be an image. It could be a word. It could be a place. Wink. I can't really wink. Or it could be an event. So you're looking for allusions, and you're also just remembering. All right, I'm just finding where Jesus is doing something or being something that was already introduced in the Old Testament. So... The verses that you're looking at are 16 and 17. So I can either have them up on the screen or I could leave this illusion and job up. What would you prefer? Do you want the two verses on the screen? Chapter 3. Chapter 3. Chapter three. 3, 16, and 17 are your two verses. All right, let's put those two verses up because I think you know illusion and, and your job. All right. So next one, Hokobo. I'll actually, I'll read it for you too and then I'll, I'll leave you for a few minutes to do some bridging. If you want to move around, you can as soon as I finish reading. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water of the Jordan River. I'm just reminding you, that's the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And so... The chapter ends. All right. Why don't you take three minutes? See what you can find. Open your mind. Holy Spirit, come and just help people connect and link, remember. And I'll check back with you in three minutes. you're online we're in matthew chapter 3 verses 16 and 17 we are looking for where jesus has bridged the old testament to the new testament in his own baptism How about dove? Start with dove. Where have you seen a dove before? Just the two verses. I'm looking at the time let's say let's say thirty more seconds it's a, it's really okay for struggling it's okay. <laughs> I make you come up here, Marcos and explain it. <laughs> All right. All right, for the sake of time, I'm going to have us pause there in your little workshop. And I, I want to just come out and say, if, if that was a struggle, that's okay, because this is our first time pausing and trying to find these sort of bridges. And so it will take practice, and we're not taught to always do that. We're not taught to see them as a, the two books as cohesive and and to really look for Old Testament in Jesus. So it's okay if it feels a bit rusty or a bit unnatural for you. All right. Um, so I, I found three different things. And again, we, we can't go into all all the details because we'll be here for hours. But I wanted to know if anyone thought anything about the Jordan River. Okay? All right. Uh, for the sake of time, again, I'm going to have a kobo go to the slide. And the two things that I, I felt to highlight were uh, the Jordan River being linked to a story in Joshua and a story in Second Kings. Uh, and for the sake of time, I'll just quickly summarize. Joshua uh, was in charge of the people of Israel when they finally could make it to the Promised Land. The only way to get there was through the Jordan River during flooding season. How do they, how do they make it work? God asked uh, the priests to carry the Ark of the Covenant, which was a symbolic chest that represented his uh, presence with them. He asked the priests to go first. As soon as the priests step into the river, the whole thing dries up. Everyone can cross on dry land to the promised land. So how is Jesus a bridge? Well, actually Jesus' uh, name in Hebrew is Yeshua, which sounds a lot like Joshua. So he's actually, we could say, the new Joshua. And he's leading his people through uh, the waters of baptism, or literally the waters of, of the River Jordan in the, in the old story, to the promised land. All right, And then in 2 Kings, does anybody recognize that guy bathing in the Jordan River as well? He was a Syrian king, so not an Israelite. Someone from the outside who came to Elisha who was an Old Testament prophet with a terrible uh, skin disease called leprosy. Elisha says, uh, I think, Holy Spirit spoke to him, I think you should go into the Jordan River and you should dip seven times and you'll be fine. He's like, mm, okay. And so he goes and does it and he's fine. His skin is soft and clean as a baby's bottom. And that he's healed. And so you have, again, the cleansing properties of of the Jordan River. And again, what's the bridge? Well, Jesus is doing the same thing the Jordan River did for Naaman. He's washing away all of your sins. He's restoring you to, uh, to wholeness and cleanness with him. Did anyone get anything for the dove? Killian did when I asked Killian. What did you get, Rob, just really quick? What did it remind you of? well done okay so the one i just wanted to highlight was noah the story of noah so god floods the earth he preserves his family uh on on the ark and and all the animals that he needs to start again and uh after the 40 days and 40 nights noah is wondering if the water is still as high as it looks and he sends out a dove three times first time the dove comes back empty beaked second time the dove comes back with an olive branch in its mouth hey things are growing And then the third time, the dove doesn't come back. So the dove found somewhere to nest and somewhere to live. And so what's the bridge here? Jesus is bridging uh, because the Holy Spirit, as the dove, remember from Noah's story, alighting on him, is an allusion to the old story where all of the violence and the sin and the brokenness of the old world have been washed away. And now the dove is signaling, you have a place to land, right? It's time to re-inhabit a new, a new earth, a new land, a new place. And that's possible through Jesus. It wasn't me. I didn't think of it. But thank you. All right. How about the last thing, the, God's words of affirmation? What God actually says. This one was pretty subtle. So big gold star if you, if you caught any of this. What comes out of God's uh, mouth in that moment is actually the blending of three different things from the Old Testament and three different identities that Jesus is prophetically fulfilling. And you just thought he was saying something nice. Right, so let's just break it down really quick. In Psalms, written by King David, there's a Psalm 2, and it's a prediction of the anointed king, Jesus, who's going to be established through David's line. And he says... I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. I have forgotten you. So here he is. Jesus is the king. Then in Genesis 22, you'll recognize that silhouette as Abraham and Isaac. And in Genesis 22, God says to Abraham, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. On one of the mountains which I shall tell you. So the son whom I love is uh, an illusion or, you know, a link between now God's only son that he's going to be sacrificing. So there God inserted that as well. And then Isaiah 42 is a prophecy about a coming servant. And it says, look at my servant whom I strengthen. He is my chosen one who pleases me. I have put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. So there you have the prophetic fulfillment of a servant who would bring justice and be filled with the Spirit. So how is Jesus the bridge here? Well, because his father just validated his identity as a king, linked to David, as an only son who will be sacrificed, linked to Abraham and Isaac, and as a Spirit-filled servant, linked to what Isaiah was prophesying. Hundreds of years before this moment. That's deep. And because it's deep, I felt in ministry time that we should just stop there and just sit with that. And I particularly felt that God was going to let his glory fall. Glory meaning the greatness of his presence and what it is about him that awes you, inspires you, fills you with wonder. And Hokovo, I'd like you to put the multicolored bridge up there.